first things first, I want to take a poll. So you ready? Get your arms ready. Yeah. Um, yeah, good. Good on yous. You guys didn't even try. These guys did. Um, <clears throat> I want to see which of you have been to another country. Hands up. <clears throat> yeah, okay. One, two, three or four. All right. Hands down. Uh, hands up if you've been to Sydney. Is that less people? You have to go to Sydney to get to the airport, yeah? Anyways. Um, and uh, lastly, hands up if that's neither of you. Like, you haven't done either of those. Is there anyone that's never been to another country or Sydney? Fantastic. This will work for everyone. Okay. Let me just open this Bible one-handed. Everything's one-handed tonight. Um, so when you go to another country as an Aussie, uh, you, you behave extra Aussie, I reckon. Uh, and there's things that make you stand out. So you thicken up your accent. Oh, yeah. And you say g'day heaps more than you usually do. Things like this. Um, you start using words you've never used, like a little funny sayings like, oh, you've been Barney and stuff like that. It's like, oh, sorry, let me translate for you, right? Um, you tell legends of back home, riding iguanas and uh, jumping in like the little pockets of kangaroos on your way to school and stuff like this. This is what I did. Um, you wear thongs in the snow. That's what I did. And you dress up with a cape off your back on Australia Day in the snow. I also did that. Um, with nothing else on except bodies. All right, um, those are the kinds of things I do to stand out as an Aussie, right? And why do I do that? It's because I want to show that I'm a citizen of a better country, a better country than the one I'm in, right? It's to show people how good Australia is and sell it to them so that they'll come to Australia and be Australian because that's what you want to do, right? Now, when you go to Sydney, for those who haven't been to another country, you've got to act more coasty. Coasties are where it's at. And so what you do here, ready? I've, I've been to Sydney, commuted there for six years, so I've got this down. You go barefoot in Sydney, you get plenty of looks for doing that. You wear flannels more, like heaps more than you usually would. You carry around a skateboard, even though you probably can't skate, right? You, um, you grow a beard, that's important. And what this does is two things. One, people actually ask you where you can buy drugs. That happened to me many times. But the other thing is that you're just promoting the coast. It's the promised land. It's where everyone wants to be. And I try and make that known to everyone that I meet in Sydney. I'm like, man, do you guys really put up with these tall buildings that stop the sun and you can't even see the ocean? Ha! Huh. Like, what is this? Right? We promote that and we, we just love the coast. We love where we're part of. And we're not called to, to differentness. That's a word. Uh, as Christians, that's what we do as Christians. In this letter, in, in 1 Peter, Peter's constantly reminding us and pointing us to a deep and profound truth and reality that we're citizens of heaven. We're God's people. That is who we are as Christians. Verse 11, he says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. All right? In week one, it's the same language. We, we learn exile just means temporary resident here, right? So that is the core of who we are as Christians. I'm speaking to Christians. Foreigners, we're temporary residents. We're here on earth temporarily, right? 
So we aren't Aussies at our core. We aren't Coasties at our core. That's only temporary. At our core, the deep reality is, verse 9, sorry, I'm dipping into last week a fair bit, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That is who we are. And so the question is, what does that look like? I know how to be an Aussie, I know how to be a Coastie. What does it look like to be that? Guys, calm it down like a storm that's calm. Um, what does that look like, right? Well, is it that you go to scripture at school? Is that what makes you one of God's... Or here, you're here on a Friday night. That's what makes you one of God's special chosen people. Is it that you have a Bible? Is it that you read your Bible? Are these the things? What is it about you which shows that you're different? Right? I ask that because it's Peter's first point that he makes here. He says that we're to live different and attractive lives. That's what he says. Um, Different. So what about the Christian is different? I'm going to tackle that one first. Verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Now there's an acknowledgement from Peter that the Christian actually needs to abstain from certain behaviours. And abstain just means to refrain from something or to decline something. No thanks. And, and the things that we do that to are our sinful desires, right? And that just means what we want in our hearts for us, not what God wants, right? We do it for ourselves. That's our sinful desires. So it's like if someone was on a diet. I'm in the habit of doing this a bit. I go up to the people on diet and I go, chocolate, Turkish delight, your favorite, like this. And uh, they're just like, oh, man. And there's this war inside them, right? Like they, they desire, they want that chocolate, but they're on a diet. And so they will, they should abstain from that desire, right? I'm going to refuse that chocolate. And as Christians, where do we abstain from the desire to want to do things for ourselves and ourselves alone? Now this means we're going to be different to the people around us because the people around us, the people who don't follow Jesus, who aren't Christians, they live for themselves, right? So they think sex is good, I'll have some of that. And they take it and they're, they're only judging by what they think and their own desires and they give in to them. It makes sense. But for the Christian, we need to inquire of God. We need to think, sex, yeah, I'll have some of that. I'd, I'd like some of that. Here's how I'd like to do it. But what does God say about sex? Sex is for marriage. He's designed it in this particular context. How can I use this the way God would want me to use it. That's what we're to ask as Christians. And that is different to people around us. Here's, here's one that might be real for you. Facebook photos going rainbow coloured. Um, what is that all about? It's about the marriage debate, right? Um, and you may have thought about it, you may not have thought about it, but the tide is going rainbow. Why wouldn't we? What does God think about this? How does God want me to respond? That's something that might make you different to everyone else. I had a uni mate talk to me this week about it on Facey. Now there is a profound difference between chasing after our desires, which is what the world does, and desiring to chase after the way that God wants us to live. And that's how we're to live as Christians. That's what we're called to. But not only just live differently, that doesn't finish there, we live differently in a way that is attractive 
to others. Now, I don't mean we should get down to the gym during winter time and out to the beach during summertime or go buy some jewellery. In fact, quite the opposite. Just sneak in a little chapter 3, verse 3 there. But what I mean is verse 12, live such good lives among the pagans, that's those who aren't Christians at the time, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. Christians are to live lives that are so good so different that they're attractive and they lead people to ask things like, why why are they living like that? Why does that person do that? How come no one has anything bad to say about that person? That's what I'd hope someone would say about me. Why is this person so full of joy? Why is this person so loving to others? Why does this person care about me if you're not used to being cared about? And I hope that's happening here. And when I read this picture, I think of like moths and bugs drawn to light, right? If you've ever been like out somewhere near the bush, it kind of gets amplified. My house growing up was always like this. You're just sitting outside enjoying yourself. It gets to a certain time of day and lights start looking like actual lights and bugs just come from everywhere and they whirl around and they're just drawn. They're just trying to see what's going on. And if the light's hot, they die and you're like, ha And if you've got a bug zapper, that's even better, right? Hours of entertainment there. But... That's the, that's the Christian world. We're living lives full of goodness, good living, that isn't ours, it's actually God's. And it draws people to God. It isn't for the sake of ourselves and our own names to live like this. It's God's glory is what we point to. And did you catch that? It does say at the end of verse 12, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God. How good, how good would it be if we all lived lives that pointed to God's goodness? Now this, this gives us a whole new level of the way we live, the way we live, why we live lives, right? So that we might point to God and give Him glory. But in this context, it's also like a missional living. And what I mean by that is it's living in a way that draws people to God to ask questions about God that they might become part of the people that give glory to God when he comes back instead of being people that are judged when he comes back, right? That's awesome. So let me ask you, are you standing out? Are you living an attractive life, attractive for people to question what's going on and why you live the way you do and be drawn to God or are you fitting in and you're going with the tide and you're giving in to your desires there's probably multiple ways we go either way but this will mean a bunch of changes for us and uh, I've got an extended section of those coming up so we'll leave that for later but just before I do move on the idea of um missional living and that is what I just explained I'm going to live this certain way so people question this and come to know God now, that's really good that's great that's a good reason to be living like that but have you ever heard of the line uh, preach the gospel always use words if necessary something like that I think it's about to come up on the slides um, <clears throat> we can that can be taken no that's not it oh yeah sorry no beat back no 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 um yeah, use, preach the gospel at all times and use words if necessary. Got it. If you've heard of that, I, I like the idea behind it. It is helpful. It's a good motivation for this kind of thing. But the gospel is a message. 
It's a good news for people, right? It needs to be spoken, so we, we mustn't forget to speak it. So don't, don't end up sitting there going, oh man, like, oh, I've been sitting next to my mate at lunch for like six years in a row now, and every lunchtime I give him one of my pieces of fruit. And he still hasn't realized that he's a sinner and he needs a savior. And like, come to Jesus, and I don't get this. Like, <laughs> the gospel needs explaining. We need a reason for the things that we're doing, right? So preach the gospel at all times and definitely use words because they are necessary, right? Anyway, moving on. Um, Peter gives us some clear examples of how living, living good lives that look good and look attractive were like in his time, right? That's kind of the, the next chunk of what we've, what we've read. And he says that submission is the key. Submission. He says that Christians are to live lives that are submissive to others. Now, submission might seem like a scary word for you, but it just means to surrender your will for someone else's will, your will to someone else's authority, right? So if I'm hanging out with someone and it's, it's winter, and they're like, oh, I'd really like to go for a swim in the ocean today, and I'd be like, oh, man, I'm wearing my hoodie, and I'm quite snug right now. I don't want to do that. That's my will, their will, different. But I see the look on their face, and I'm like, ah, oh, okay, let's do it. That's me giving up my will for their will, right? Pretty simple. Um, or, like, think it just happens every day. Think about every day you go to school. You went to school today, hopefully. Why are we there? I'm guessing you don't always want to be there. But you're there because ultimately you've submitted to someone's will, whether it's your parents, your teachers, kind of the governments as well. You kind of have to go to school, don't you? But you're there. It's not your will that you're there, but you're there. Submission needs to be in every part of every day of the Christian's life. In fact, we've already looked at so far a submission, and that is submission to God. We abstain from our sinful desires. That's our will, pushing that down. We abstain from that, and we instead go after God's will, his desires. And that is a submission of our will to God's, and that is the gospel, right? The gospel, realizing that I am sinful and that I do have sinful desires, and that puts me at odds with God. That doesn't work together. When I need a saviour. That saviour is provided in Jesus for those who submit themselves to God, who give their lives to him. That's the gospel. So if you're here tonight and you haven't given your life to God, you haven't submitted to him, chat to someone about what that means. Because this letter, it's, it's full of commands at this point for the Christians, so I'm going to be talking a bunch of whack stuff to Christians, and you might be wondering what's going on, but please do chat to someone. Come chat to me, chat to someone tonight about what that might look like to give your life to God. So Peter unpacks some more of what submission looks like here. And he tells Christians to submit to the order of society. Okay, so check out verses 13, 14. It says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to emperor as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. Submit to authority. Why? Well, because God tells us to, and we're told in other parts of the Bible because God puts those authorities there. 
and we need to obey who he's instituted over us, right? So then he moves to another level of society, the servants. So if you've got ESV, it says servants. If you've got NIV, it says slaves. Verse 18, slaves in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters. Peter tells Christians that no matter where you're at, the, the key to living good lives that are attractive is to submit to those who are put over us. And despite the fact that as Christians we're free and we're free from a bunch of things, free from our sin for one, uh, we should, verse 17, this is a killer verse, show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honour the emperor. Now there is no Christian in this room that that doesn't apply to. right? And I doubt that there's any Christian in this room that uh, that there isn't someone that they should be submitting to that they aren't. Right? And it, it isn't easy. It isn't easy to want to give up my will for someone else's. It's a selfless thing. It's not natural for us to do. We have to practice that, especially when it's made hard. Especially. Anyway, I've um, started playing basketball recently again after a good 10-year break into retirement. It's been good coming out, getting all the fame again. Um, but nothing's changed. <laughs> like, um, in fact, not even the refs have changed. So there's this lady that used to ref 10 years ago, um, and she used to cheese everyone off then, and, and I rock up 10 years later, and there she is, still cheesing everyone off with her bad calls. She makes the worst calls, and it really eats you up. It kills you. But you know what? She's got the whistle. She's got the stripy t-shirt she's standing halfway making all the calls and um, and you need to submit to her authority because that's what she's got she's been instituted that authority by the basketball place now our team i love our team because we try our best to submit to that authority and john our fearless leader and more competitive member of the team uh leads us in doing this like sometimes if we can we pray beforehand that we wouldn't get upset and, and be with a team that just flips out, right? Um, we talk about not getting upset at the refs and not chucking a tanty. Why? Because we want to stand out. We want to be different, and we want to do that by submitting. Which doesn't sound like a standout thing, but it is in the basketball world, trust me. And we, we do that in the hope that we win attention from people and that that attention would be for the glory of God. So yeah, when you see that basketball that you touch, but then it hit someone else and then it went out, but the call goes the other way, you just got to suck it up and deal with it, even when it's hard. Track with me from um, verse 18. This is where the hard stuff comes. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters. And get this, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable, it is good, if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they're conscious of God. But how is it your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable, this is good before God. Even when it's hard, says Peter, submit to those over you, Because God sees that it's hard and he sees that it's good. It's commendable. 
So just to clear up, I don't, I don't want to leave this section without clearing up some cultural differences. Um, if you have the NIV and you're reading slaves in verse 18, uh, we see that word and we think slave trading, we think sex slaves, we think uh, African-American cotton farming slave and, and terrible oppression and things like this. But that's just not the kind of slavery uh, Peter is referring to. Back then, very different scene. All that stuff would have existed. But he's more referring to the servant, uh, the worker. So the way it worked is you've got this debt to pay to someone. You can't afford to pay that. So you sell yourself into their family to work it off. It's like um, those childhood movies of mine. Maybe they're still the same. Where there's those kids playing baseball in the backyard one of them hits a cracker and it, um, it goes through like an old lady's window and smashes it. And it's like, oh no, scatter. But later on, the parents get them together and they take it in the house. And next three Saturdays, the whole movie revolves around this probably. Next three Saturdays, you've got to like work off your debt. You've got to pay back that old lady with your time. That's closer to how it feels, right? I'm thinking like Richie Rich and other things like this. But... Um, that's the kind of slavery that existed in those days. And so that's what we're meant to keep in mind as he says this. It's not, um, it's not like, uh, oh yeah. So when he says, submit to your masters, even though they're harsh, we're not meant to think, you know, support sex slavery or, or trafficking or anything like that. We're not meant to think that we should put up with abuse. It's just not what he had in mind. Um, yeah. So all this talk of submission uh, and slaves and whatnot, where does it land for teenagers 2015? Well, I can think of six forms of submission that are relevant for you guys. Peter only did two. We're going six. So strap in. No, it's going to be good. All right, here's the six, and um, it's going to be painful. So here we go. And it's going to be painful because you're going to hopefully feel the burn of where you're not submitting, okay? So number one, first and foremost, you want to be submitting to God. And we've already talked about this. But on top of that, there are some things that are illegal um, and God says don't do them. So that's kind of easier to understand how that goes. But there's some things that the world says, no, that's fine. But God says, no, that's not fine. Sex is one of those things. The world's like, yeah, whatever. God's like, no, 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 here's how it's meant to be. That's an area that you need to submit to God. Foul mouth, swearing, I think that is kind of illegal actually, but not really, I don't, I don't know, look it up. But that's something that we've just got to submit the way we speak to God and what God says to build people up, not rip them down. So number two, submit to the government. So there are things that are illegal, and God tells us to obey the authorities, right? So God's word doesn't necessarily say, don't smoke marijuana, that's quite specific. But the law says that, and we we follow the law, right? So underage drinking is one of those things. You might not think it's a big deal, but that's, that's the law. Submit to it. God says submit to the law. That might be something you've got to pull in. Illegal pirating of movies and music and uh, stealing in that way. The law says this. I don't care what you think is right and wrong and technical difficulties in this. Look at the law and submit to it because God says. 
he's one that most of us, I'm sure, are guilty of is, if you drive, sorry, is speeding. The speed is set by the government for safety. We need to submit to that. And that's hard. We think we know better, and I kind of do, because I did engineering and I know what speeds should be. And when I see them lower, I'm like, oh, man. But I've got to submit to that. So I've got to work on that. And there's an example of that. that even if, it, it, wouldn't it be awesome if we all, we all just obeyed the authorities, whether the cops are there or not? Um, so there's this story of someone that's probably sitting in this room who gets followed, like, kilometres and kilometres and kilometres and kilometres by this undercover cop car through road works and all this, 40 kilometre zones. And, and I'm thinking, whoa, I'd, I'd get pinged for sure. Surely those road works are killer. Um, but rocks up at the house and then goes in and then knock, 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 cop at the door. Oh, what's this? Just wanted to congratulate you on your awesome driving of the speed limit all the way. Here's an entry to this competition. Like, wouldn't that be awesome? Like, like that is such a good example of submitting to the authorities, right? Anyway, cops there or not, let's, let's do that. Here's one that's for slightly younger than driving, is cheating on logbook hours. It's a pretty common practice as far as I can tell. But that is instituted by the government for the safety of people. You've got to submit to that. Don't cheat on that kind of stuff. I'm getting lots of murmuring. Oh, stop, stop there. I can't take any more. <laughs> submit to, number three, your parents. Ah, oh, no, not this one. There are, there are more things that aren't illegal, uh, but God says, honour your parents. So doing what you're told without grumbling. I'm out of the home now, so a lot of these are made easier, but not all of them. Doing what you're told, right? Getting home before curfew. For, and like, just try not to push the envelope every time. Maybe come back 10 minutes early. Imagine that. Not going to that party that they said, don't go to that. And not coming up with excuses like lies to say, oh, I'm just going to a mate's house. Oh, look, I've got a pillow. I'm sleeping there. And I actually go out to a party. That's the kind of stuff that it hasn't changed. 10 years the same today. Don't lie to your parents. Honour your parents. Number four, we're still going. Submission to teachers. These are all the authorities that are over you guys. Teachers. Sir, sir. Miss, miss. You guys are hilarious. Um, turning (laughs) Turning up at school, right? Simple. Turning up at school. Doing your homework. But also doing it to like the best of your ability like God calls us to, right? Being good witnesses in the way that we do that. Being quiet in class, tucking your shirt in, I couldn't stand that one. Showing respect to teachers, I think that's the big one you need to hear. Just showing proper respect, verse 17, where is it? Show proper respect to everyone. They're an authority, you've got to respect them as authority. That's enough on teachers. The next one gets a little bit closer to home, right here, right now. Number five, submit to your leaders. When you rock up here at EV Youth, you are under the authority of leaders. And they're not out to bust something. They're not, they're not out to make sure you yeah, don't have a good time. They, they want to be your mate. They want to help you understand God's word. But you just need to listen to them. And you need to show proper respect. Some of you guys suck at this so much. Seniors are like little angels. I love you guys. 
But I've just I've just heard stories about no 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 I've been a leader for a long time and particularly in the younger male regions of youth group you guys need to hear this submit to the leaders everyone will have a good time it'll be great um, yeah and finally number six how you guys feeling you alright making it all right submit to one another uh, this is all about love right. We want to love each other. We got it. What is it? The, the brotherly. What is it? Show respect to everyone. Love the family. Oh, family believers. ESV's got a better translation. The brotherhood or something like. That. Yeah, love each other. That's what we want to do. And I can think of just two easy things. One's more towards the girl. One's more towards the guy. But everyone does them all. Gossip and bagging people out. Like gossip. It's just really unloving to talk about someone behind their back and to just spread information that's not yours to spread. Just be interested in what you're doing and just go ahead with what you're doing and don't worry what other people are doing that you want to gossip about. And bagging people out. This is an Aussie thing to do, but our identity is deeper than Aussie. We've already talked about this. We don't want to bag each other out. We want to use our language to build each other up. I struggle with this one because humour is just so easy to be used for bagging out. (sighs) Anyways, I've expressed some of this, but you may have been thinking through that. No, no, Todd, don't. Stop, no more. Stop making me feel this way. But hopefully that's just pulled some strings for you to just feel the burn of submission. And we feel it because, man, our wills are strong. We don't want to give it up to anyone else, but we need to give it up to God and do it for him, for his glory. It's, it's to this that you're called, verse 21. And it all is hard and it all is tiring and it seems relentless. Yes, I'll give you that. And if only we had an example to look at, you know, and model ourselves off. Oh, oops, that came up early. The, uh, the ultimate example for us to follow is Jesus. Jesus is a man of submission. And uh, look, I don't want to hold you guys for much, too much long, so I'm just going to read the example that is given here by Peter, say a few things, and we're going to finish there. But soak this in, what Jesus has done for us. Verse 21. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, get this, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly, entrusted himself to God. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we've been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd, the overseer of your souls. Jesus, the man, paved the way with his example of an exceptional life, putting aside his will and instead saying, not my will, but yours, to God. Now, the judgment that he received on the cross was like the ultimate unfair thing that he could have kicked a fuss up about right all of our sins heaped on him to pay the innocent man who hung on a tree and died 
so that we could live. That is an attractive life. Not in the terms of I want to go hang on a tree and die attractive, but that sacrifice and that submission of his will is astounding. People see that, people hear about that, and they want to know more. And they give glory to God, and that's, that's what we do. So that, that kind of submission, that kind of love for others, Jesus' example is what we're called to. People of God living different and attractive lives of submission for God in the footsteps of Jesus so that people would see how good God is and praise him. That's what we're going to do in a moment when we sing, but first I'm going to pray, so let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for Jesus. As we just read, Lord, his submission to your will and, and denying himself is astounding and it is, it is that reason that we sit here today saved and have an eternal hope that we look forward to. That is astounding and, Lord, just help that to motivate us as we look at all the authorities that you've placed in our life, the ones that we do and don't like. Please help us to be like Jesus. Uh, for the sake of living lives that are super attractive and point to you, give you glory. And we pray that the way we live might result in people being saved from eternal hell to eternal life with you. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.